0: I went to a marvelous party. Max. Most people don't even know the facts. They go with their gut. Don't and have your gut cares about your money.
1: Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time.
0: Fine, you first, Eric. <laughs> Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're
1: listening to the June 22nd, 2014 livecast of the dinner party show.
0: And tonight, we will not be discussing Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal's treasonous comments this weekend at the Faith and Freedom Coalition. As if. The Duck Dynasty-loving governor of our home state of Louisiana said it was time for a quote, hostile takeover of Washington, D.C. Charming. Interesting. Governor Jindal, just a thought here before we don't talk about this. If you're serious, (laughs) you might want to address the fact that your state currently has an F in student achievement scores, which is kind of related to the fact that out of the 712,000 students in your public education system, roughly two-thirds of them are living in poverty. A basic education and possibly something to eat seem like two things everyone should have before going into battle with a nuclear-armed federal government. Just saying.
1: Also, Medicaid expansion insurance. Yeah, that would work a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, tonight, we will also not be talking about Hillary Clinton's run for president in 2016. We love her. Mm -hmm. We voted for her the last time she ran. Mm -hmm. We hope she runs. Mm -hmm. We will vote for her if she does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But she's not talking about it. Mm -mm. So until she says she's running, we're not saying anything either. We don't care how many books she writes.
0: Tonight, we will not be discussing 39-year-old mother and drunk Keisha Young, who forced a group of six kids, including some of her own children, to ride home from a public swimming pool on the roof of her Chevy Malibu so their wet bathing suits wouldn't damage the upholstery. The children were thrown from the roof (gasps) of the car when it took to a tight curve, and one of them was airlifted to a local hospital with a massive head injury, and her condition is still described as touch-and-go. Keisha Young failed a breathalyzer test on the spot But we don't want to talk about it except to say congratulations, America, on your hugely expensive, hideously unsuccessful drug war against heroin and cocaine. (laughs) Oh, Uh
1: my, I have to go lie down. But first, before I do. (laughs) We'll
0: do the show.
1: (laughs) I just want to say we are not talking about the recent regurgitation of pro-awak war punditry. (laughs) Pro-awak war (laughs) -war -punditry (laughs) punditry from Every shameless, neocon, moron, dipshit who talked us into the catastrophe that was our ill-advised, ill-considered, ill-executed, and ill-fated war in Iraq. The only reason we're not talking about it is because we are Speechless at your unabashed temerity. Mm-hmm. All we can say is that it has taken years and years of your puerile and ill-informed policy in the region to bring us to the disaster in which we in Iraq find ourselves today. You caused this. Why in the hell would we or anyone want your advice on this or anything? Please, please,
0: shut the fuck up. yeah Amen. Amen. Okay, also not being discussed on tonight's show, 30-year-old Jeremy Meeks, who was arrested in Northern California this past week on several weapons charges and Uh one gang charge, and whose mugshot went viral because he is so fucking hot.
1: I swear to God.
0: Seriously, the dude is fine. (laughs) He's a criminal. That said, finger-wagging gay men who jumped all over the women who left glowing comments praising the man's good looks, check yourself and your sanctimony. Did any of you ever whack off to porn star? Marcus Allen, Josh Logan, or Addison of SeanCody.com? Hmm? You did? Well, they all murdered someone. A... So a... g- shut the fuck up. We're not talking about you either. That's a personal question. <laughs> you you <laughs> mind yeah, your own
4: business, Christopher Rice.
0: to
1: murders. <laughs> 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 also, <laughs> on a more serious note... We do not wish to comment on former Republican House Majority Leader Eric Cantor's blistering and humiliating humiliating defeat by his neighbors at home in Virginia in his recent House election. Mm -hmm. We don't want to gloat, disparage, or do the reindeer dance of victory because it would be mean-spirited to point out that Eric was defeated by an ill-funded political unknown espousing beliefs and policies that a majority of Virginia voters don't even support.
4: Mm -hmm. It would
1: be too harsh for us to suggest that your constituents simply wanted anyone but you, Mr. Cantor, and that the numbers suggest you could have been defeated by a hat rack with a wig on it. (laughs) Suffice it to say that it is perhaps less surprising that after years of doing absolutely nothing, not even the things you say you believe in, might actually have some consequences at election time. Mm -hmm. Here's hoping anyway, but that's all we'll say about it. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show.
2: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come.
0: Welcome back to Masturbating to Murderers oh with Christopher Rice and Derek Shaw
2: Quinn. I thought we weren't talking about it.
0: <laughs> okay, fine, 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 fine. But I can't believe we're not going to talk about Iraq, but I I sort of can. I sort of can. Tonight is a special episode of You're the Guest because our guest had to cancel. <laughs> so we invited our loyal, lovely party people to deluge us with voicemails and questions, and we have a gracious plenty of material to work right, with. Right, and we will So have- much that Eric Shaw Quinn won't have time to talk on tonight's dinner party <laughs> show. So- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You were saying? I just was
1: going to say we were very, very sorry that Kristen won't be here with us this week. We promoted her visit last week, and she will be back to join us. She just had other engagements, and um, it, there was a conflict at the last minute, and she couldn't make it. So Absolutely. We will have her back in the not-too-distant future. We were very disappointed, and we apologize, but we are always delighted to spend more time with you. And I have to say, the, the call-in line this week— Uh, Yeah. You guys outdid yourselves.
0: You really did. And I would also like to note that most of it is for Eric, which is actually a contract violation on his part. That, uh, like, 60% of the phone calls have to be addressed directly to me. And so, Eric, I'm sorry, but... You have to go. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody drink. It's all about Christopher again. No, we have a lot. We have a lot to go through. Our first uh, voicemail on the party line. And I want to remind people the party line is 323-PEZ-TDPS. And it's always open for your craziness. So if you're drunk and it's like 5 in the morning and you're like, I should really call and ask them how big their penises are again, give us a call because that's what it's for. But Be sure and leave your name and where you're calling from. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and how close you are to our houses if you know where we live. So our first message, oh, let's God. let's go to the party line. Let's okay, let's fire this up.
5: Hi Christopher and Eric. This is Jillian and I have a question Hi, for you guys. If you could remake Mommy dearest, who would you cast in the roles and what kind of modern twists would you give it? Looking forward to the new show. Bye.
0: That's a brilliant question. Let me say before we go on that Jillian is actually our social media director for A Thousand and One Dark Nights. I was just going to yes. say,
1: tell everybody who Jillian is and who, uh, what's A Thousand and One Dark Nights, Christopher. A Thousand and
0: One Dark Nights is a series of erotic romance novellas. They come out one a month, and I will be the November installment. And they are available through <laughs> We're Amazon. We're getting a massage <coughs> made up. <laughs> Miss November. November installment. The Flame, which Eric asked me if it was about a gay superhero because, when I Because, you know, him wouldn't it. you? Well, he wasn't that far off. It's actually about a magical scented candle that causes a bisexual three-way. <laughs> but don't make a face at <laughs> my bisexual three-way novella. What scent is that? It's, it, <laughs> you will have to read the story to find out, but the candle finds the person that it was meant to find because it's true love. It's just... True love in three different directions. Okay, so listen, about Jillian. So it's through love. Jillian is lovely. She runs the Read Love blog, and uh, she's a new visitor to us here on the Dinner Party Didn't Show. did you also
1: post some interesting uh, little photos from Jillian?
0: Jillian is responsible for something we are calling Tiny Jason. On Friday the 13th, Jillian took a tiny doll of Jason Voorhees and put him in various locations throughout her suburb, some involving her nine-year-old son, Max, which were totally legal and consensual. uh, But we'll
1: not be talking about this on The Not Report really soon. I can see that.
0: And Jason also, um, Jason Voorhees, Tiny Jason, left a review of my last novel, The Heaven's Rise, and said he wanted more murdering and lake scenes, but otherwise he thought it was a good book. Okay. So we're just not going to answer Jillian's question. Is that is that what we're doing? That seems. <clears throat> no, I
1: just wanted to be clear about all of that because I thought it was an interesting note and right.
0: introduce her to the re- the other party people. Now that she's you know getting involved in stuff. Absolutely. So I don't want to remake this movie. I want to remake a different movie. I want to remake whatever happened to Baby Jane with Vanessa Williams and um oh God am Queen
1: I Queen Latifah? No, not Queen
0: Latifah. <laughs> she was nominated for an Oscar for The Help, not Viola Davis. Um, no, oh, Olivia Spencer, Octavia Spencer, Octavia Spencer. I no, almost said Olympia Washington, which would be a city and not an actress. But yeah, I want to remake it. But a it great with name, I think that
1: may be my drag name, Olympia yeah. Washington.
0: Okay, so you you answer now.
1: Well, I guess in the spirit of actually answering the question that we were asked, <laughs> um, I would say you know as long as we're if we're going to update it and actually deal with go for the target market, I just go ahead and make the kid gay. Mm. Well, very possibly the 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 actor, the screaming actor, but I think that would be less fun than you know have it be I, I who would we get who would who's the latest um Chris Cffler as the child? No, I don't think so. like um i I'm trying to think of who we would get to be the uh the Joan Crawford Oh character. To the Joan Crawford character right Let's who see. would be really fun Sharon
0: Stone. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I love that. Sharon Stone is Sharon Stone and her husband eating kimono dragon. Kimono um, Dragon. Excuse or me.
1: um Glenn Close. Glenn Close, okay. She would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um and then who do we cast for the bitchy gay boy? Mm. I want somebody with more snark than Chris. Mm. I would want somebody more two snaps back than him. Not Jonathan Groff. Maybe,
0: maybe, Jonathan I actually think Groff, that's a good right? call, and it would actually be a good part for him. God knows he needs one. oh my, well, they're doing another season of looking. it should last ten minutes, and so he needs one twice as much. <laughs> Okay, so we figured out, so it's going to be either Sharon Stone and Glenn Close and Jonathan Groff, and I guess the modern twist that Jillian asked for would be make the sun snarky and yeah, gay? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, why? I think that's obviously who ended up really,
0: really, really
1: loving and making a cult hit of that movie, so... Why not just go ahead and make the kid gay?
0: I have to turn this into a story about a, a local interviewer who shall remain Is nameless. Is this going to be about you? No, it's not about no, me. Oh, so
1: that you don't get to drink.
0: Sorry about the, There's buddy, a people. local interviewer who's sort of famous for being local and not that great an interviewer. And he managed, because who he's who here, here in be L.A., about. because he's here in L.A., he managed to land an interview with, with Christina Crawford and Christian Brando when he was still alive. And his question to Christian Brando was, said very pretentiously, what do you remember about your father? And Christian Brander just looked at him and went, What? Like, where, where do I even start? That's not even an interview question. Like, <laughs> what do you remember about your father? <laughs> As if he had asked, What was your father's favorite role? What Luke, do you remember about your father? Luke, I am your father. <laughs> anyway, I love that story. And I think if there were a studio audience here with us, they would love that story more you than Eric Shaw just probably did. Probably
1: just, well, because I'm actually thinking about the players. I'm. Actually, you know what I
0: was thinking was Christian Brando is dead? I think he is. Isn't he dead? The Party is dead? people, is Christian Brando dead? That I is did, our question. I for didn't the know evening. that the son was dead. Is Christian Brando dead? Um, and then yeah.
1: I was thinking about the, yeah, the interviewer and the whole, like, it was too much for me. It was, way, you it was you were just too, too real for you're me. <laughs> you are too close to the story. I'm too close to the story. I, <laughs> you're a bad I actor. can't be objective.
0: Jillian, thank you for calling. Thank you for being the social media director for 1001 Dark Nights. And thank you most of all for Tiny Jason, who will return next Friday the 13th. <laughs> now let's go back to the party line and see what we have next. Hi, this is Amy
5: Bellino from oh. Miami Beach. Hi, this Amy. time, I have a few questions for Eric. We know you have traveled around a lot growing up. A lot of us thought South Carolina was your home state. But the one time you tried to tell us what your home state was, Christopher talked right over you and we couldn't hear what you said. Uh We know you were born in Germany, and Christopher thinks you're an alien. But what state do you claim as your home state? And also, how long did you live in South Carolina?
0: (sighs) Well, the Eric show begins. Let's go.
1: So this is what, so first of all, Thanks for, uh, you know, causing all the tension here in the studio, Amy. (laughs) Also, for your kind questions, I appreciate it. It really does. Now, Christopher, I just bought that. Don't throw anything else. That's enough. No more breaking stuff.
4: Listen, listen, listen. You see see how this is going
1: to be? Where are you from? Well, we claim Natchitoches, Louisiana as home. Because we moved there twice. I really think that's the only reason we claim it, because we never lived anywhere much longer than like a year and a half, two years. Uh, I was in South Carolina probably longer than most of the places, like maybe seven years, maybe a little longer. I can't even remember. And then I went to New York and then I came back and was there for a bit longer. But honestly, I have lived in... West Hollywood, California longer than I've ever lived anywhere else. I mean, by a long shot, I've lived here for like 25 years. So if I was going to say where I'm from, I'd say I'm from here.
0: That is the most beautiful tourist commercial for West Hollywood I've ever heard. Really? Mm-hmm. No, no, not really. Oh, okay. City. But Natchitoches,
1: oh my God, Natchitoches is gorgeous. Natchitoches is such a beautiful place. Although, to be honest with you, I haven't been there for a really long time. The last time I was even in Louisiana at all was for an AIDS conference in New Orleans, wow, which was, okay. I think,
0: in the 80s, possibly. All right, we have one more question from Amy. Speaking of South
5: Carolina, <laughs> when you it's lived an there, you worked you for DHEC. Amy. For those of you listening who don't know what that is, it's the Department of Health and Environmental Control. I would like to know what you did when you worked for them.
0: All right, we will answer that question when we come back here on The Dinner Party Show. What did Eric do at DHEC? The suspense is fucking (laughs) killing me. But for now, we're going to debut a brand new segment here on The Dinner Party Show, Uh, and I believe it features our very own critic at large, Jordan Ampersand.
3: Thank God
1: for another edition of
3: What Science
1: with Jordan Ampersand. Today's topic,
3: bats. Oh, dear. Good evening. I'm critic at large for the dinner party show, Jordan Ampersand, and welcome to What Science. Researchers at Brown University gained insight recently into how bats are so good at flying. I'm joined now by Dr. Ernest Rutherford, poof in bats.
1: (laughs) Oh, pardon me, but it's actually a PhD and my doctorate is in evolutionary biology, not
3: bat. That's a shame, because the doctrine in bat sounds way cooler. Perhaps.
1: I I never really thought about it that way. I I mean, I'm actually just more... Dr.
3: Rutherford, enough stalling!
1: Stalling? This is a science interview. I I
4: hardly think It says
3: here in the New York Times that bats have long muscles running from front to back in the skin of their wings. You were apparently looking for evidence that these muscles existed. Did it not occur to you to simply examine workout photos on the Instagram accounts of pop? popular bats I am am not
1: uh, entirely sure I understand the question we were we, we were perfectly aware that these muscles existed what we needed to do was prove they actually improved flight so we added a small amount of botox to the wings of each bat so that we could clearly see when the bat was not using the muscles in question in
3: this way I see could- and this leads me to a question about the ethics of your experiment. Was the Botox used in your experiments Botox that could have been used to help an aspiring model or actor in Los Angeles further their career? Uh- Furthermore, nowhere in the New York Times article about your work is there a mention of vampires. Are we truly expected to believe that in the course of your cruel experiments, not a single bat resorted to its vampire form to defend itself? This is a ridiculous
1: interview. This is... You are just a...
3: I man. see. So once again, big science is unprepared to have its research stand up to scrutin's knees. The word is scrutiny, you idiot. I'm perfectly prepared to... It appears Dr. Rutherford terminated the interview rather than answer further questions. Until next time. No, that's him calling back. No, no, don't answer. We leave you now with a famous science quote from a famous scientist. This week's quote comes to you from Mary Curie, who did pioneering work on radiation and who always said, Help! I poisoned myself with radiation! This sucks! I'm so mad right now! I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this has been What Science!
2: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Welcome
0: back to Eric Shaw Quinn. Hits the microphone. (laughs) Tries to to, to act like a professional in his own radio studio. Yeah, we're a real professional radio show. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Welcome back to Amy Bellino's exclusive interview with Eric Shaw Quinn, (laughs) where we'll be addressing his exciting time with the South Carolina Department of Health and Economics, or whatever DHEC is.
1: My follow-up question to that is, where did that information, is that on my Wikipedia page or something? <laughs> like, I'm not sure where that quite came from. The only thing I can guess is that I actually wrote a series of, um, I wrote an ad campaign, a uh, sort of public service ad campaign for the department of health and environmental controls about AIDS, HIV, like back in the eighties, it was even, I think kind of controversial at the time. Um, and, uh, I gave the the links to uh, Shea Butters to post so that you can see the ad. Um, It's on my... uh my old boss's website, <laughs> Marvin Chernoff is my old boss, or Martin, as Christopher called him on tonight's r- Martin. breakdown. Martin, Martin, Mar and Marvin Chernoff. He wrote a memoir recently and uh, about uh, open starting his uh, advertising agency. And apparently, I haven't read it. Apparently, I'm mentioned in it, Uh-oh. and it may
0: not be favorable. It I, may not. Party really, people, you got to go read this memoir and find the mentions of Eric Shaw. Really? No. So we've and got. Then the we'll links have uh, we'll have Jordan ampersand read them live on the dinner party show. <laughs> How does we've that got, sound?
1: We've got the links to to uh, the the the, uh, uh, the 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 AIDS ad the okay. and to the uh, to Marvin's uh, site and to uh, the book sales for his memoirs. Okay. I'm trying to remember the name of the
0: I'm gonna try to wake our show back up. I'm gonna try to wake our listeners up. With Isn't some he loud hateful? Noise. I'm, I'm really not ha- hateful. I have I'm just to jealous. listen to I'm just jealous. This is
1: how I get treated around here. Right? <coughs> Facts about me are somehow, like, not interesting. <laughs> they
0: are, oh, they are interesting. We all love your exploding Sunday breakfast. Did you have another one this morning? Did you, Actually, you get any egg in I your Actually, I was hair? thinking
1: about that this morning. Yeah. Breakfast was, uh, you know, pyrotechnic-free. There was no explosions at breakfast. I managed to get the um, the yolk popped before it went into the toast, so.
0: Did you get the poo to the loo? Ew. Hey do, no you don't get to do that. You brought that whole thing onto our show.
1: And I thought it was disgusting then that's why I brought it. I just thought it was the most that was the most bizarre ad campaign I had ever seen.
0: Speaking of bizarre, Sumiko Salson has left another message on our party line. We I love Sumiko. Love Sumiko
1: and Let's... Sumiko, we also love that you're not calling us on your cell phone anymore. We really love you that. You became a young and vital woman suddenly when you were calling us on your regular line.
0: Let's hear
4: Oh, hi, this is Samiko And again. So, Amy Bellino suggested that perhaps my cell phone was the problem, so I'm going to try was. this Amy's with my taking house over the phone, show. okay? It's Amy's so, this is a selection of zombie haiku from Things That Go Bump in Your Head, which is my book, this okay? Thank you so much. Um, Since you've been dead, I've hungered for your brains. Words escape me are. <laughs> we have a lot more zombie haiku.
0: That's just the first of many. We're going to play them all for you tonight.
1: And they're all
3: excellent. They're amazing,
0: and they're from Samiko's book, Things That Go Bump In My Head. So congratulations, Samiko Salson, on inventing a new genre, zombie haiku. In the meantime, we have a question from someone who has listened to our show from the very beginning but has never called the party line. This is her first party line oh God, I message. hope it's
1: about Christopher. He's just going to have
6: a fit. Dude, I'm already scared. I've been trying to call for like a year and a half. Anyways, this is Talitha, and I'm calling to ask you guys a question. <laughs> I want to know what was the most um, creepiest, um, craziest, uh, one-liner, well, or, or if you guys have been hit on, I'm watching them talk now. <laughs> I want to know, um, like... <clears throat> If you ever had to, like, run away from a date or if you ever had to, you know, just, like, blow somebody off, can you guys, like, tell us some stories of what it was like to date when you guys were younger? And I also want to give a shout-out to Sunuko. Uh, I read her alien porn, and let me tell you, oh, my God, you guys have to read this. I hope that she sends it to you because it was so crazy and so... Descriptive and just, it was nuts. I, I just, I've never read anything like it. So, Timuko, that was awesome. Can you please send me some more? Okay, so that's my question. Now I feel stupid because, you know, I didn't know
0: how to talk to you guys. <laughs> that's All how. All right, uh,
6: I'll see you in the show.
0: That's Bye. how you talk to us. Alien porn yeah, and asking us about our sex hey, lives. Out, you got it covered, Talitha. worked out just fine, Welcome Talitha. to the party line. You
1: sound just fine, and mm-hmm. we're glad to hear from you, and we hope that that'll take the stink off of it, and you'll feel free to call back whenever you think of anything
0: else. I want to read Samiko's alien porn. Right? Like yeah. this is, uh, I, Now it's turning into the Samiko show. I don't see how anything weird about our dating lives could hold up to Samiko's alien porn, honestly. I, uh, uh, haven't
1: you dated any aliens? Uh, I've met some of the people you
0: I suspected some men of being aliens. I they have to say the weirdest pickup line I ever heard when I was younger was... A, I was very young, actually. I was like 19. And a, and a grown man in a bar said to me, I have money. That, w- that was it. That was his pickup line. And I was like... Well,
1: it's, you know, cut to the chase.
0: Okay. And so I said, so do I. It was my mother's money, but, you know... But you had it. I still had it, and I didn't need it from him. So it sort of killed that approach. He was very drunk... Maybe it's not how he would have spoken to somebody at the office the next day. <laughs> or maybe that's how he does all his business yeah. affairs. Who knows? And maybe it works. I don't know. Yeah, right. Maybe it works. Maybe I looked like I was selling it. I, I, had, I made some really, really unfortunate fashion choices in those. You really want to embarrass me. Ask me about the shit I wore to the clubs when I was 19 Or just and look 20.
1: up the pictures.
0: Uh, they're not available online. I've had them all removed. Trust me. I have had them taken down. What you have seen is nothing. That, that My only, friend that had only had works hold in me. Europe. My (laughs) Get got a hold of me. She took me to the men's department at Saks Fifth Avenue in New Orleans, which they later got rid of because everybody shopping there worked there and they were all getting the employee discounts, you know. Uh, And we, God, the clothes were so expensive and so fucking horrible and stupid. And every now and then I would forget to throw one away and I'd be going through my closet and then suddenly I would come across a rayon tank top with, with a sequined Star in the middle of it and a designer's name in cursive that you couldn't even make out and little fur pads on the shoulders. Puff paint? Just puff, just shit. Signed in puff paint? Just shit. I mean, it was just shit. And so if I was dressing like that, they probably did think I was charging.
1: And maybe you should have been.
0: (laughs) You could get some better clothes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, or hire a fashion
0: consultant or a better one. It's your turn to answer this question.
1: Well, I have... A short answer and a long answer. Oh, okay. The short answer is when I was on book tour for Say Uncle, I was at sort of, you know, like a big, I can't even remember. It was some big sort of um, public event, like a social event, and meeting people and saying hello and whatever. It wasn't about the book particularly, but people knew I was, and that's why I was there. I hosted an AIDS thing. So I'm not even really sure exactly where I was, but I was at a big gathering and I was introduced to this person who, you know, I said hello and he told me his name and then he said, "Do you get fucked." And I was oh. like, "Well, that's, you know, once again, it's mm-hmm. the sort of like the the old joke about the man who is watching another man on the railway platform and he keeps going up to women and saying something to them and they just go berserk and hit him with their purse or their umbrella or kick him or push him down or whatever it happens two or three times. And finally the other guy walks up to him and he says, man, what are you saying to these women? That's upsetting them so badly. And he says, well, I'm asking them if they want to fuck.
0: And the guy says, well, that's pretty brazen. <laughs> and I says, yeah, but sometimes it works. Uh, right. And if it works once out of 10, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, Maybe that worked for him. I, I don't know. You, did I was you have like, sex with that guy?
1: I was like, you know, I'm actually not going to answer that question. Okay. But it's one of those, it was probably one of those cases where if he had been hotter, I probably would have. Mm. I would have probably said Right, whatever. see, it's
0: only creepy if you don't like the person who's yeah. making it. Half like, the shit, let me tell you, I just read Fifty Shades of Grey and half the stuff Christian Grey says to Anastasia would be really creepy if it were coming out of, you know, your Uncle Filton's mouth. Yeah, that's what I always say. Like, it, it isn't sexual harassment just because you don't want to sleep with them right okay samiko salson has another question for us which we're going to listen to and then we're going to go to the break and we will answer it when we come back
4: hi this is samiko salson and hopefully i'm talking loud enough for your sound guy anyway i just (laughs) finished the manuscript for happiness and other diseases and i have a problem because my characters won't shut up And um, I was wondering what you do in a situation like this. Do I need to see an exorcist? um, Get some type of special medication? How do other um, writers deal with it when they have to move on and edit and things and their characters just won't shut the fuck up? Thank you.
0: We will answer that after this short break. What do you do when your characters don't shut the fuck up here on The Dinner
2: Party Show? You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's
0: dish! Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I love how that last song ended. It's like she just got bored and walked away from the microphone. Yeah, Yeah, just slowly wandered out of the
1: studio. (laughs) She became distracted. She saw a dog with a puffy tail. He's Christopher Rice. I'm Christopher
0: Rice. And, and
1: he's Eric Shaw Quinn, and this is the dinner party show, and you're still here,
0: and you're still the guest. That's the subject of the theme for tonight's show, and we have a question from Samiko Salson: What do you do when your characters will not stop talking? Should you call an exorcist? Well, I,
1: you I know, think call an exorcist and let me know if it works. My characters never shut never, up. Never, never. Like my 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 big response is, "Oh, honey." <laughs> I'm so sorry. They never go away. It they never really don't. ends. They really do. Never ends. They're always nattering at me, telling me a better way I could have done it, mm-hmm. asking me when I'm going to do,
2: you know, something mm-hmm. else
1: or when there's going to be another book or they'll wake me up early in the morning and say I should rewrite that whole section or mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's uh it's the the writer's life. I don't know if it's being a writer or if I have something seriously wrong with me. It may be the same thing.
0: I think in another era, we would they would consider something very wrong with us. We would be institutionalized. I think our civilization has evolved to the point where there's room for crazy people like us to actually function and make a living.
1: I think we've actually evolved to a place where we think that people who have those sorts of things are crazy and have, that you it's think? a problem, yeah. and that in the past, we just sort of... like I I look at Benedict Cumberbatch's interpretation of um, Sherlock Holmes in a contemporary era. Mm-hmm. Like if you take Sherlock Holmes out of the Victorian era and have him act the same way right. in modern times, you get Benedict Cumberbatch's new performance, but you also get a really sort of startled reaction from, right. we've come to expect one another to behave in a sort of uh, homogenized kind of way.
0: Right, absolutely. Excentricity no, totally is more
1: suspect now than it used to be.
0: Right, and there's a, there's a psychological, pathological term for all of those things that we don't like. Everyone's a narcissist now, have you noticed that? Everyone oh on Facebook is a narcissist. God. My ex-boyfriend is a narcissist. I finally tweeted because I love to quote my own Twitter feed, uh, a narcissist is an opinionated person who doesn't sleep with you anymore. Because really it is. Every woman's ex-husband that I talk to is a narcissist. It's like, do you even know what the definition of this term actually is
1: or i'm depressed or my favorite my old-time favorite it's kind of faded away now it's become sort of an antique is dysfunctional family Mm -hmm. like okay so where is the functional family show me the one that is the norm that we're judging all other families by
0: right absolutely you know what i think this calls for what some zombie haiku (gasps) i think
4: that's the The look in your eyes deeply passionate lips eaten by maggots
0: beautiful Beautiful zombie haiku. <laughs>
4: that's great.
0: That's Amiko should... Salson with her zombie haiku. We love it. And now we have a question on the party line. That's kind of serious and maybe even a little bit controversial. Let's see.
7: Hi, Chris. Hi, Eric. This is Justin Simpson. And Hi, Justin, um, I decided to bring a topic to the dinner table. I was looking at the New York Times uh, website, and they brought a story in their health department regarding something that I have uh, been hearing about uh, quite a bit, and it's finally being brought to uh, the attention on New York Times. It's regarding uh, Druvata, a.k.a. PrEP, which for those of you who don't know, is uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is a pill that is meant for HIV and AIDS transmission. And I was talking about how uh, how federal health officials now are seriously considering it. There was a uh, CDC survey done back in November uh, showing the statistics that nearly uh, 20% of unprotected sex and men has risen from 2005 to 2011. And this seems to be quite a debatable uh, issue amongst pretty much everybody for those people feeling uncomfortable with it and some people uh, feeling very comfortable with it. Me personally, I... um, Let's just put it this way. I forgot to take my uh, Flintstones vitamins as a kid, so I can only imagine how horrible that would be if I were to forget to take a pill like that in something as serious as uh, HIV status. So I was just
0: curious if you had known a little bit about the Trivata pill and what your thoughts were. Love to know. Bye. Well, it's an excellent question, and 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 Justin hits on the point of controversy. Look, the the fact is, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, that if you take Truvada once a day, and even if you do have unprotected sex, your risk of in, uh, being infected with HIV is decreased by ninety percent nine zero. The question is, which will, is great news, will people take it every day, and. Everyone uses like the Flintstones vitamin example. Everyone uses the antibiotics example. Doctors have been trying to get patients to take the entire course of antibiotics since they were invented. And medical professionals say it's not possible. People are way too inconsistent. And what they know about Truvada is that it's not that if you miss a day, the shield doesn't suddenly drop. It's that if you are inconsistent in taking it over time, the effectiveness of it in your bloodstream starts to become variable, whereas mm. it wasn't before. So that's the issue, but I think it's different. I, I I think people who are taking antibiotics are often taking them for minor infections, and often in those cases, the symptoms of the antibiotics they're taking are worse than the original condition they were prescribed for, right? So they're like, okay, the infection has gone away, but I've got this nausea, so I'm really not gonna take these three pills. But that's really where the debate is. There's not a debate about the chemical effectiveness of it as a uh, pre-exposure uh, prophylaxis treatment. Um, the FDA has approved it for that use already. The CDC, in in last month, the CDC actually issued recommendations for health providers who want to begin um, prescribing it in a pre-exposure way. And they're not Light, you know, they say Kaiser San Francisco has built up a program that's going to make it easier for uninfected members to see an expert and get a Truvada prescription. But you have to be tested on a regular basis. You have to be monitored very closely for side effects. But it's it's the adherence question: Will people take it every day?
1: Well, I guess that's part of the question. I, I the the question that occurs to me and that has occurred to me as this whole uh, issue has come up has been a question of intent, like. Mm-hmm. Why is it, like, what would be what would be your what would be your reason for taking the medication? If it is to have random um, recreational sex, my attitude is it's fine if you take it, but you should also be using a condom because there's a whole host of other things that Truvada will not protect you from. Right, that you wear a condom for, like right. we should be wearing, we should be having protectants. Sex with anonymous partners. If, however, you have a partner who is positive but undetectable because he's on his cocktail, and the two of you want to try, want to make the decision Mm -hmm. that you're going to try having unprotected sex with each other because you're on Truvada, well, that would seem to be a sensible usage for me, Mm -hmm. to me. But I think that it's never advisable to have unprotected sex with people you don't know. I just right. think that's not a good plan, even if you're on Truvada. So, and no, and th- that's I think the, it's a fake debate. Well, you know?
0: that and that's the other side of the debate too, is because the medical recommendations do not say stop using condoms right. for just this reason. But there is an assumed knowledge out there that as soon as this becomes popular as a treatment, everyone just will stop using condoms. And I think
1: that's a genuine concern, like, because that that should never be the case. Like, and I also think it should not be the case that this is looked at as a gay issue. Like, I think that I am surprised at the level of unprotected sex that is apparently happening in the straight community as well. There's a TV show called Teen Moms or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Which is a problem, which is a direct manifestation of having unprotected sex. The television commercial that I wrote 150 years ago for DHEC in South Carolina is about encouraging people to use condoms. Like, Mm -hmm. you should use a condom. You should just use one.
0: Right. It's, It's very... It is a very scary proposition to rapidly and without a lot of forethought move into a completely new prevention method for this disease. I think that's what's going on for a lot of people. I mean, con- rec- recommending condom use has been the gold standard for prevention. Now, there are people who will point to the fact that condom usage is an, has never been at 100%. People have never adhered to the condom usage regimen anyway, so whatever else you can give them. But what Andrew Sullivan, I think, became so excited about was the the marriage of the science behind this with the increasing science that suggests that people who are undetectable are not capable of infecting new partners, people who are on a a protease inhibitor regimen who have an undetectable viral load. Also, their chance of infecting you is reduced, I think, to somewhere around 90% in terms of a reduction. When you put those two at work in the community, you're talking about a plan that could possibly eliminate most new HIV infections. However, Somebody has pointed out, which I think is a very good point. Also, in the news, this New York Times piece that Justin referenced, 20% of new infections are among teenagers and young adults, which would be the hardest group to get this drug to, because then you're asking parents to provide uh, uh, prescribe Truvada to their children, and that's going to be a really tough sell. <laughs> like we already saw the t- you know what happened with the the. Uh, Vaccine, you know, that Michelle Bachman so famously ruined her political career over. You know, anything that's about or related to sexual behavior in children is just going to, you know, die in a sort of another sort of side alleyway of argument. So, you know, is this, this is not, I, I don't believe that it's the silver bullet by any stretch of the imagination. And I think there's a very valid point to be made for the fact that the long term side effects of just Truvada usage. Uh, we haven't been able to tell what they are because Truvada is never prescribed by itself for people who are HIV positive. It's never. It's always prescribed as part of a cocktail. So just taking Truvada over an extended period of time, it will carry some of the side effects of protease inhibitors in general, which is the redistribution of fat on your body, uh, liver damage and increase in fatty acids in the blood. All of these are real things. And Larry Kramer, you know, who has said some things that have made us really angry on the show, has said, You know, I wouldn't do it. It, it, Truvada is like chemotherapy in my medical treatment. It's like taking preventative chemotherapy, you know, and we need to explore what the long-term cost of this is going to be on the body.
1: I'm surprised that at this juncture, this far into the crisis, that we have still not seen any actual demonstrable product improvement in condoms themselves. Mm -hmm. I am just surprised stunned that that's been the one thing that we really haven't changed or improved pretty much at all because that would be the easiest thing to actually fix.
0: Didn't one of our party people bring that to a previous year of the guest show? I think Samiko brought the headline. It's all about Samiko tonight, that Bill Gates was going to offer so much funding for somebody who would develop a new prophylactic. Right? Like, yeah. it,
1: it is just... It, it a seems like you would sell a million of them, and b it could actually have a positive effect because I think a lot of you know they're mood killers and boner shrinkers and complicated. Yeah. And if you could spray it on or yeah. I, I don't know what, but like surely that would be the area where we could actually make some positive change pretty swiftly without I would having rather to come we, up with a vaccine or cure I a would, virus.
0: And what they're what they're what some doctors have recommended around Truvada because of the adherence issue is a monthly shot. That you go in and you got a monthly shot for I your wish doctor. we could
1: just get a vaccine. That's what I keep praying
0: for. I hope we keep trying everything. I think we need to get rid of it. I think if there is a divine purpose to HIV, as awful as it is, it'll be the first virus we learn how to cure. And, and Interestingly enough, and then we'll go to a break, a word from one of our sponsors. In a very early interview with Larry Kramer that they played around the promotions for the normal heart when only 20 men in New York City were HIV positive, I don't even think they had named it yet, Larry Kramer said, at the time, doctors thought that this disease might be be the key to cancer. That in studying this disease, we would learn something about how cancer operated because it was breaking down the body in a similar way. So I, I hope that given all the loss and the, and the horror and the heartache associated with this disease, that, that the arc of its narrative is bending towards something that will be medically beneficial on a lot of different levels. That's my hope. That's my hope. All right, a serious turn. And now a word from a not so serious sponsor here on The Dinner Party Show. Coming this summer to ABC, the network that wouldn't know an original idea if it
1: fell out of a tree and landed on them, it's a new show that has everything desperate network executives think you want. Each week, Housewife stereotype contestants from major metropolitan and geographic regions will perform singing numbers while dancing with celebrity partners. In remote wilderness locations, I
3: saw him first.
1: As they vine for the attention of a single amateur fashion designer who will dress them to be chosen as drag queen supermodels and give them recording contracts that will make the celebrity judges even richer.
3: Let this song make me look fat.
1: During the week, you'll be able to watch a live feed of the contestants drunk and naked in hot tubs while they are being coached on their musical performances by singers more interested in reviving interest in their own dead careers than any of the contestants you took my swan dress bitch you can vote them off the show watch them fight to the death over prizes so small they're almost undetectable or call a lifeline in this extreme reality overdose we're calling angry rich bitches be singing you told us you were bored with the lifeless unscripted crap that has come to be the only thing we know how to do and we heard you angry rich bitches be singing if this doesn't work we might just have to figure out how to do our jobs and start making real television shows again so please Please watch Angry Rich Bitches Be Singing this summer
2: on ABC. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day.
0: Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. I can't wait for that Angry Rich Bitches Be Singing. I
1: know. That sounds like something I just can't wait to not watch.
0: It's it's got it all. Right? It really So I can avoid
1: it all at once. Absolutely. It's all those reality show things that I just hate.
0: It's time for another installment in Amy Bellino's exclusive interview with my co-host, Eric Shaw Quinn. Here is another question from our party line.
5: My most important question for Eric, the one I've been dying to hear more about since it was first brought up, is... How in the world did you end up renting an apartment for two cats? Did you, like, go hang out with them, or did you pay someone to go feed them and scoop their poop? Tell us the whole story. Thanks, guys.
1: That's ridiculous. Oh, I love that story. It's one of those moments of self-actualization where you do something and then years later you think about it and you go, "Wow, you are completely out of your mind." I'll say. Yeah, I I, I don't know if any of you ever watched Star Trek: The Next Generation.
0: I did watch Star was, Trek: The Next Generation. There was generation. a character
1: on the show called Vash who was played by an actress named Jenny Jennifer Hetrickx, Jenny. She was a good friend of mine, and in a house near hers, it was a nice neighborhood. I don't guess it was abandoned, but nobody was living there. A stray cat had kittens, and she rescued them. They were covered Mm. with fleas. It was terrible. So she rescued them, and I, being the softie that I was in that moment, took two of the cats, Romy and Michelle. I quite loved them, but they were basically feral cats, and Mm -hmm. I had them fixed, and I did whatever, but they were a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Longer stories, a lot, horror stories to tell about that, but it's a different story. And you didn't ask about my life with Romy and Michelle, you asked how they wound up with their own apartment. So it became clear that it was not possible for me to live with these cats. They were driving me out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and I couldn't find them another home. So. I got another apartment and I moved away and I kept the apartment where they were living and continued to rent that apartment for them until I could find them a new home. It was only a few blocks away from the new apartment, so I went over myself and... Um, and, uh, you know, spent time with the cats on a regular basis. You and put on your beekeeper
0: whatever. suit and you got your flamethrower charged up and you went over to feed those feral cats.
1: That's right. And I love they had a sofa there and some things. And, you yeah, know, what like, was
0: left of the sofa by the time this. I just left it. I <laughs> didn't even we, we didn't really
1: like they had, you know, like it was comfortable for them and they had their own. But, yeah, I rented an apartment
0: for my cats. All and, right. And it was maybe not my best call. Maybe not. Okay, we have one more question. I wonder, let's see who this question's going to be from.
5: Hi, guys. This oh. is Amy Bellino from Miami Amy Beach. Again. Have either of you ever met another author and turned into a total fanboy?
6: If so, who?
0: Oh yeah, I did and it was on our show. It was Patricia Cornwell. Hands down, our show, our interview with Patricia Cornwell is available in our show archive. You can download it and tell your friends about it and listen to me go absolutely fanboy when she started saying nice things about The Heaven's Rise. I was like, I thought I was going right. to lose it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and and uh, Patricia Nell Warren made me cry and she Brian sure Fuller did. was on yeah. last week or the week before, a couple of weeks ago yeah. and just uh, like I I try and be like starstruck as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Like I got to meet Anne Rice at some point was pretty Yeah, but blown she, was, away. she was a nightmare. Was she was like pretty blown away by that. You know, like well, you hold my snake. I think it's she, it's it I think it's important to continue to be amazed by life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I and one of the things is being willing to be starstruck, being willing to be a fanboy in any given situation, even if it's ultimately somebody who's a peer. If you're impressed with them or whatever, why not be amazed? Why not let yourself be uncool a
0: little yeah. bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah,
1: no, good question, but
0: yeah. I find that living here in Los Angeles, I am always starstruck by the unconventional celebrity, like the time I saw Bonnie Franklin. Isn't that the actress who was on One Day at a Time, Bonnie Franklin? I yes. think she died recently. Yeah. I saw her having lunch with her <laughs> Little crepe
1: from Christopher. No,
0: she was alive when this story happened. I saw her eating dinner in the San Fernando Valley, where I used to live, and I was so starstruck by that. And Brenda Vicaro, I saw eating dinner also in the Valley. Very cool. She of Airport 77, which I maybe watched a million times. So, you know, it's interesting. You get, yeah, don't get jaded. I think that's the yeah, message. I don't always get jaded. Get, I'm always sort of delighted when I see. Life is full of stars. Life is full of stars. Well, we started it last week on the show, and I think we're going to continue the tradition this week. We have a special musical performance followed by Eric's final thought. So let's see if I can cue that up right here. Let's see if the musicians are back. Oh, yes, here they are. Oh, no. Oh, my it's God. It's really, it's the 2001 theme. Do you recognize it? Yeah, you know, it's still in there. They're, oh, there it is. There it is. It's in there.
1: They're actually musicians, so they have some sense of what the song would supposed to sound like. They just can't achieve it.
0: This is the Portsmouth Sinfonia. It's all professional musicians required to play an instrument they don't know how to play. In case you couldn't tell.
3: Ooh, that's my favorite part.
1: Oh,
0: this makes my nipples hard.
1: I could have gone all night without knowing that.
4: (laughs) Makes my tongue hurt, too.
0: Oh, yeah, there you go. There's that underscore. Yes. And now, Eric's final thought Shut up. <laughs> That's brilliant. How long did it take you to come up with that?
1: You know, I, I just try and look for really thoughtful and insightful yeah. things that I've said over the years, and I I can hardly think of anything more useful than
0: that. Absolutely. Okay, well, it's not really technically our final thought because I have two last things we need to say before we close out the show. One, and we didn't tell you until now, is that a friend of the Dinner Party Show and past guest, Christian LeBlanc, is nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award. The Daytime Emmys started the same time our show did, so we didn't let <laughs> You know, because we didn't want you running over to CBS. I think they're on CBS. Uh, His category has not been called yet as of this live casting that we're doing. So we don't know if he's won, but we wish him uh, good luck. And next week, we will have Beach Reads, our last special, before uh, we begin our summer vacation series. And we'll have Marsha Clark in studio. But also, I will be making an exclusive announcement about my next supernatural thriller. I'll be announcing the publication date, the publisher, and Eric will be reading the plot synopsis in his best funny voice.
1: Because, you know, that's what friends are for.
0: Absolutely.
1: Also friend of the show Chas Bono is uh performing in the Fringe Festival it's a theater festival here in Los Angeles as as is Ben Scuglia who is the uh I the separated at birth twin yes. brother there's some strange relationship with Shea Butters. But anyway, um, Ben, yeah. um, Shay can post you the connections on how to get tickets to those. Shea, uh, Chaz did that hysterical thing.
0: 30-minute musicals. 30 minute musicals of, of really funny movies. So it's worth checking out. If you... Independence Day is what we saw Chaz do. <laughs> Independence Day is a 30-minute musical. It has to be seen to be believed. All right. Well, I think that does it for us here tonight on the Dinner Party Show. Thank you for being our party people, and thank you for being our guests. I'm Eric Sch- I'm (laughs) I'm Christopher Rice (laughs) And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn And I'm Amy Bellino And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show
1: Thanks
4: And now my jaw fell off completely, eating my dentist.